politically active college student in Wichita, he audaciously ran for a seat in the Kansas House at age 20. He didn't win that race, but he learned a heck of a lot about sweating through a door-to-door -door campaign. He went on to serve in the Kansas House and Senate. He led the Kansas Republican Party. He built a company that constructed long-term care facilities in Johnson County. He made friends across the political landscape as a moderate Republican. It was still a shock, though, to some of those folks that he switched party affiliation in 2006 to the Democratic Party and became a candidate for lieutenant governor on a ticket with incumbent governor Kathleen Sebelius. They won that race. He then became governor and against the odd step that he jokes was in the style of Forrest Gump when Sebelius resigned to work for President Barack Obama. His reward was to govern during a brutal recession, work on developing a new state highway plan, initiate a statewide indoor smoking ban, deal with a tortured debate on energy policy, and, of course, raise taxes. We're speaking of former Governor Mark Parkinson. He says there's no political legacy of him as governor, but an article just published by Kansas History, a journal of the Central Plains, offers a counterpoint to that claim. Bob Beatty, a political science professor at Washburn University, was part of the interviews and editing of the article. Welcome, Bob, to the Kansas Reflector podcast. Great to be here, Tim. Thanks for helping us with this. It's a fascinating article. Uh, Parkinson was governor from 2009 to 2011, and so a decade later we get to see his thoughts uh, about his time as governor. You've done a series of these kinds of articles, right? Yes, this is uh, number seven, and it started many, many years ago when I arrived uh, at Washburn University and uh, was looking at Kansas governors, and uh, Governor Bob Bennett and Governor Joan Finney had passed away. And basically, I asked uh, for information on those two, and somebody said, well, it's too bad nobody talked to them before they passed away. And so I started a process of talking to Kansas governors about uh, their careers and, and the big decisions they had to make, and it started with uh, governors from the 1960s. I discovered, Tim, very quickly that Kansas at the time had a number of former governors. So John Anderson and, and Bill Avery uh, from the 1960s, and and then John Carlin from the 1970s, Mike Hayden in the 1980s, and then and Bill Graves and, and Kathleen Sebelius into the 2000s. So the general rule is I wait 10 years uh, until they've left uh, the governor's office. Uh, however, I also, with, with Mark Parkinson, interviewed him in the last week uh, when he was in office. So that would have been 2010, uh, over the winter break, basically. And then interviewed him again in 2021, 10 years later. And generally, uh, former politicians, former governors, the longer the time between they when they were governor and when you talk to them, the more maybe forthright they're, they're able to be. The more If they're detached from Kansas politics or they have no chance they're running again, uh, they can be uh, very forthcoming. And this, I've enjoyed all my interviews. Uh, talking to Mike Hayden about his years in Vietnam and the mm -hmm. Cambodia invasion. Oh, my goodness gracious. It's, it was riveting. But Mark Parkinson, ironically, uh, the shortest term in office of any of the governors I've talked to. But uh, the Kansas History, the journal, had to tell me to shorten the article. I, I, was, it was, I wanted so much to be in there because he, his life is so fascinating. Yeah, Parkinson grew up in Wichita, and he was a high-performing high school debater with an early interest in politics. Do you think this was something of an academic, scholarly interest, intellectual interest, 
or do you think he was drawn to the nitty-gritty of wielding power? Mark Parkinson is really interesting. I don't think it's power so much that he was after. It, it, he's a very driven person, and he admits that um, there's some things that happened in his life uh, when he was younger that made him decide that he wanted to accomplish the most out of, out of he, that he could in his life. But when you look at this article, for example, when he was a little kid, he was on the brochure for the Wichita bond issue. Uh, Boo-hoo, we need a new zoo. Uh, Goodness. And and he he ends up um, being co-chairing the the committee to bring fluoridated water to um, Wichita, uh, which fails. Mm -hmm. Weirdly controversial issue in Wichita. Yeah. They don't like fluoride. Right, possibly and, killing people. And when I was talking with him, he said, "By the way, is there? They've got, you know, they've got fluoride now in Wichita." And I looked and I said, "No, they don't. Um, they still don't." And he, of course, ran for the legislature in 1978. Now he was a basically a, a, a world class debater. And Tim, when you you notice people that do really a, a serious debate, um, they're often very driven. Uh, and they ha- they it, debate is a very intense intense I almost call it a sport but it's an intellectual sport and he actually went for one year to a, a national university to be a, a national debater and then came back to Wichita and he basically I think said that that um, he felt like he hadn't achieved what he wanted to achieve in debate uh, and he said oh it sounds kind of silly but that drove him then to achieve other things. Hmm. Um, so in 78, you mentioned that house race. He's, he, I don't think he's, uh, he couldn't go into a bar and get a beer, uh, but he, he campaigned, and I think he wore the same three-piece suit all summer, 100-degree heat, and it had to be lovely. Uh, sort of like the Jayhawk mascot suits. Apparently, notoriously, they smell terrible. In 1978, yes. Yeah, so uh, he went door-to-door, right? He learned a big lesson about door-to-door. Yes, he, he challenged an incumbent. Uh, in the Republican primary, and I asked him, you know, was this ideological? You were really upset about this incumbent, you know, conservative, uh, moderate, whatever. He said, no, it was not ideologically based at all. It was stupidity based. His and, own. Yes, his own stupidity. And he, what he meant was uh, that he just thought it would be really fascinating to, you know, try to unseat an incumbent for the Kansas legislature. And he lost by, uh, uh, I think, something like 40 votes. And he said he had this massive sigh of relief uh, the next day that he'd lost, meaning he thought, oh, my gosh, I almost won. I think he regretted something about that race, because at some point they put out some information suggesting that he was getting traction. And the candidate uh, and the governor at the time said, oh, my, let's get down there. And a guy who loses that narrowly, having the governor campaigning for legislative in a legislative race, maybe had an influence there. I mean, he may have blown the race by touting his success. What he did was in July, he'd been going around door to door talking to people. And in July, he asked everybody who'd agreed to put up his yard sign. That's it, yeah. So his, his opponent, Ben Foster, the incumbent, you know, you can imagine one day he's like, well, it should be another re-election. You know, it's just a primary and there's this young college kid out there. The next day he's driving around the district and there's hundreds and hundreds of Mark Parkinson 
for for uh, state the state house signs. And as you said, yes, that alarmed um, Foster and got Governor Bennett down there, and just enough to pull out uh, the victory. But you know, it's there's a sliding doors aspect to it that Parkinson told me about. The sliding doors is the movie about you know if you take one path, how your life can change versus another path. And mm-hmm. in the movie, he goes into a subway, a train, but. Parkinson alludes to that. I mean, he's like, well, if I had one, would I have met my wife? Oh, would yeah. I have done a law firm? Would I have gone into elder care? And so... You can't go back. Even Yeah, he's, he seems, even today, quite relieved he didn't win the yeah. race. So he went to D.C. with cup in hand, no job, but was convinced that he would perhaps find one. <laughs> he ended up working for a liberal Republican, somebody, Bill Green, New York, I think, and uh, writing, uh, spent a year writing about foreign policy, which he admits he had no expertise in. Mark Parkinson's his story is incredible, and maybe it's because he was a debater. Uh, he runs for the legislature and almost wins, and then he just gets in his car and drives to Washington D.C. Uh, with no contacts, and he doesn't even contact the Kansas delegation. He says, "If I'm going to do this, I want to do it on my own." So he, he picks out 150 Republicans, most of them moderate, and just knocks on their doors, saying, "Hi, I'd like a job." And he, it works. He gets one. And, and his, he, he keeps saying, oh, it was luck. You know, I, you know, throughout his career, he does these amazing things. And while we're interviewing him, myself and my colleagues, we, we stop him several times and say, I don't know if this is luck. Mm-hmm. You are making your own luck. And it's just Mark Parkinson had, has had a way of going about his life that is, that is driven is the word I like to use, but... We're going to talk about when he's governor. When he gets to be governor, he applies that. He's only going to have 623 days, he knows, in office, and he sets out to accomplish the most he can possibly accomplish in this 623 days, and he accomplishes, you could arguably, more than some governors have in two full terms of eight years. Yeah, maybe disaster is, creates opportunity. <laughs> uh, he came back, uh, went to law school. Uh, he started a law firm in Johnson County. His wife uh, was a prosecutor. He ran into Paul Morrison, who uh, ended up being a supremely popular district attorney in Johnson County, extremely popular. And, you know, he resigned after becoming attorney general in a a personal sex scandal that I think shocked Parkinson a great deal. Um, You know, and it makes me wonder, you know, does, does Paul Morrison's political career continue today if if he behaved as others, Uh, you know, Donald Trump was accused of a lot of indiscretions and became president of the United States. So it kind of makes you wonder about the time of it. You know, this, this scandal occurred a decade ago. So, yeah, Paul Morrison is, becomes a friend uh, of Mark Parkinson's. They're up in Johnson County. And uh, Parkinson gets back into politics after that 78 run by helping Morrison out and running for, for DA. And he kind of catches the, the political bug again. And... Morrison has this uh, great career, and Morrison becomes a Democrat to run against Phil Klein um, and at the behest of uh, Kathleen Sebelius. And Morrison becomes attorney general uh, in 2006 and then has this, uh, this sex scandal mm-hmm. that occurred. And Parkinson tells us that he, he, would, he was shocked. He was very, very surprised. Uh, however, he d- Parkinson does 
raise that question, you know, now in 2021, 2022, does one sex scandal mean that you're out, you're completely gone? I mean, Morrison disappeared from Kansas politics. But Parkinson says Morrison had the makings of a Kansas governor. Yeah, you could just tell. He he looked like the Marlboro man. He had a sense of humor. He could mingle with the people in Dodge City and then go over to Johnson County and and hang out with that crowd, too. Yeah, and uh, he I I agree. He was uh, one of the rising stars, certainly in Kansas politics, not just in Democratic side. But. I would I would go I would err on this go on the side of saying I think he he possibly does survive nowadays um, because it's a different environment and uh, the sex scandal is not what it was even twenty years ago um, right. we all know that so but but Morrison is a is a really important figure in Parkinson's um, career there's so no you doubt say about kind it. of got him back on the treadmill he ran for the house uh, Parkinson did and won that race. Couple of years, I think he was just going to go home after that, not seek re-election. But he was recruited to run for the Senate, and uh, it was an interesting thing because he was a pro-choice Republican on abortion. That's, yeah, and he says in '96 the big decision for him was whether to run for Congress, and he hmm. decides not to, and so he does end up running for the state Senate. But things had changed in Kansas. Um, '90s in the '90s were the years of the huge, eventually being the, the abortion protests. Uh, and the conservatives are starting to become much more powerful. And he wins his state Senate district, but he openly says, I did it because I used the, you know, these systematic tactics of campaigning mm-hmm. that if I had, um, as a moderate Republican, I probably might not have won unless I really had, had, had um, put full force those tactics. Put all that sweat play. equity into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the Senate, I believe, he sponsored the death penalty bill that uh, stands today. What's interesting about that bill? So, you know, when you interview people years after they've been in office, um, they might, you know, you know, they might be a little more forthcoming. And so many, you know, many people do wonder about Kansas. Uh, there is the death penalty, but nobody gets executed. Never been used. And so Parkinson... Uh, it says two things about writing the new death penalty bill uh, and helping to write it and get it passed. One is that now he wouldn't do it because any death penalty, he, he argues, there's, there's shown to be systematic bias and it's just not worth it to take the risk of that People bias. of color. Um, yeah. But two, he wrote it in a way he said that his goal was that it would nobody would ever get executed. <laughs> that, that there would be sort of a plea bargain way to, to get the hard 40 mm-hmm. versus the death penalty. So it's actually turned out that way. There has not been anybody executed in Kansas um, mm-hmm. since that bill was passed. When he talked to, when Parkinson talks about other former governors, I think he comes to the defense of uh, Governor Bill Graves, who was characterized by some as being detached from the legislative process. Parkinson doesn't think that's necessarily true, or if it was, it was by intent. And then we had Kathleen Sebelius, who was elected twice, almost served her full term, second term. But Parkinson believes that when he met Kathleen Sebelius, he sensed that she had <laughs> star power, that she had game. And, and, but still, you got to think that here's a Democrat, a woman, uh, a long time ago, who had worked for the Kansas trial lawyers, and uh, so that, that's a bit of a surprise, in, in a sense. Yeah. He, he said that, that when he first 
saw Sibelius in the, in the house, he, he, he laughed and said she had an entourage then. <laughs> and, and it is funny, but I think what he meant was that she was attracting talent. She, people knew this was a person that knew what she was doing and that was going places. And obviously, it, that was true. She, Sibelius ended up winning uh, the race to be insurance commissioner, defeating a Republican. Tim and they, up, and they had, the had Republicans time. for 30, 25, 30 years, right, before that? Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe we know how hard longer. it is for a, for a, a Democrat to, to win a statewide race that's non-governor. She had these great ads, oh did she gosh. not, in which somebody snuck into a, a building, a, a room at the Capitol and grabbed a money bag out of a file cabinet? <laughs> she had incredible ads. I mean, <laughs> the, her story was, was so fabulous in terms of... Um, you know, her history, that, that I did the, the Kansas history piece on Sibelius and then did a documentary. There's just so I wanted people to see the ads. I wanted people to see her in mm-hmm. action. Uh, and Sibelius is, a, like Paul Morrison, an, an inc- obviously an incredibly important figure for, for Mark Parkinson. Mm. Also, you know, Sibelius and Bill Graves were centrist, I think. That's right. I mean... 16 and, years of centrist leadership. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Both of them also... Uh, according to the polling I've studied, basically Graves and Sibelius were the most popular governors in, in, since polling has began. Hmm. I mean, and you could probably make a good case for in Kansas history. Graves wins re-election with 73% of the vote. Yeah, that, those, are like, those are like Kassebaum numbers. <laughs> it's <laughs> unbelievable. Mark Parkinson went, back, went on to become chair of the Kansas Republican Party. And I think he, he learned something from that experience. I think the idea was to try to uh, heal some wounds between the conservatives and, and the moderates. But when he went to the 105 counties, he learned something about <laughs> the electorate out there that told him uh, it was a foreshadowing of what was coming. That's right. So he, Parkinson believed that the, the Kansas Republican Party was moderate, centrist, uh, had different factions, but overall was a Nancy Kassenbaum uh, type of party, a Bill Graves type of party. And then as chair, uh, he had to fend, he helped Bill Graves fend off an attack by the conservatives. So Bill Graves was the Republican governor of Kansas who was challenged by the state party chair. Think about that in, for his second term. Uh, that shows you the, the sort of civil war that was going on. So Parkinson, as you mentioned, as chair, and it shows you the workout. So he, there was, he was challenged by, not by Parkinson, by right. another so chair, and, right. now, and now Parkinson comes on yeah, the Parkinson scene. Parkinson comes in to get things back, mm-hmm. what he thinks, get things back to normal. And it shows you the, the drive of Mark Parkinson that he becomes chair and says, well, I guess I'm chair, I need to go to all 105 counties. Now, who does that? And Mark Parkinson, Right. Um, and so Parkinson starts visiting these counties thinking, okay, we're now, I'm getting to know the Republican Party and basically says, wow, the Kansas Republican Party is different than when I grew up. And uh, he said, I thought this was a temporary aberration, this big shift to the, the super conservatives. Um, and he says he thought that most Republicans in the state were pro-choice. And he said, don't hate gay people and love public education. And then he said, that ain't it. It's actually, this is a very different party, and there's more of them now. The party has not been hijacked. There's just more of them. Mm-hmm. So that was a big revelation, mm-hmm. and it was a significant moment in Kansas politics. 
So about 15 years ago, Sebelius was hunting for a lieutenant governor running mate, and she <laughs> she turned to Mark Parkinson, took a chance on a guy who, in his past, had denounced her to some degree. I don't think it was too brutal, but uh, but Parkinson was a supporter of public education against concealed carry gun policy and pro-choice. So hmm, those are some big ticket items for which the two can stand side by side on. Yeah, so, so Parkinson is, is friends with Paul Morrison, and Paul Morrison switches parties to run for attorney general, and Sebelius had recruited him. And it shows you the sort of the power she had, uh, that she's able to get meetings with Republicans and get them to switch parties. So when Morrison meets with Sebelius, uh, Morrison brings his good friend Mark Parkinson. When Kathleen Sebelius was trying to yes, flip Paul Morrison meeting. from the Republican to the a Democratic Party. Top secret Brings meeting. his good buddy. Yeah, Morrison's Mark still a Republican at that mm-hmm. point. He brings mm-hmm. his good buddy, the former chair of the party, Parkinson, just, you know, just for support. Had to be a little odd. So Parkinson says that uh, Morrison says basically, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run as a Democrat for attorney general. Parkinson says, great, I'm with you. I'll support you. And he says, and the good news is I'm out of politics because, you know, my name is Mud now. I'm right. You know, and you can't get elected he thought he was done. You know, he, clearly who, who's going to want this guy, you know, who's, who's uh, a turncoat essentially, basically, but at that point. And lo and behold, um, however, being in that meeting, Sebelius later says that she started thinking she needed a lieutenant governor. Hmm, who would be good? Oh, yeah, Parkinson. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she calls him up, and he, he said he gives her all these reasons. Oh, my gosh, that's not going to work. And then he realizes, no, actually, this is, this is probably pretty darn smart. And um, this could be really interesting. And he decides to do it. Well, Bob, tell me, tell me. Do you think Parkinson was the top choice of Kathleen Sebelius to be her running mate? No. The, from, from all sources, including Mark Parkinson himself, uh, Bill Snyder, the legendary football coach at K-State, was offered the lieutenant governor um, job for Kathleen Sebelius. What, and it, 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 quickly, it tells you a lot about Kathleen Sebelius. I mean... Bill Snyder, the former chair of the Republican Party. She's not fooling around with this lieutenant governor thing. It's like getting Bill Self to be your running mate. <laughs> it's amazing. Maybe Bill Self, the most popular Kansan. So Snyder does not apparently say immediately no. He thinks about it. So everyone out there listening, Kansas came really close to Bill Snyder being governor of Kansas because Sebelius is going to later take off, right? So that's pretty wild. Okay, Absolutely. So so Parkinson says what he heard was that Snyder is thinking about it. You know, maybe I should be lieutenant governor. And he talks to Tom Osborne, the former Nebraska coach that went into politics. And Osborne tells him, you're nuts. Do not go into politics. You think football is bad. I'm paraphrasing all this. <laughs> so, so, so apparently Osborne uh, scared uh, Snyder off from from getting into politics and becoming uh, Sebelius's lieutenant governor. Way to go, Nebraska. And, um, yeah, and Sebelius, uh, you know, had sort of already set this incredibly high bar, you know, not just a generic state legislator or something, and she, then she went after Parkinson. All right, so he's lieutenant governor, Sebelius is governor, and then Barack Obama decides that he needs a health and human services secretary and taps uh, Kathleen Sebelius. So now Mark Parkinson is governor. 
That's right. And I should say, when he's lieutenant governor, there's a couple things that were interesting. One is he jokes that nobody knew who he was. Uh, and the second thing, though, is he, he didn't take a salary. I didn't know that. And he says the reason he didn't take a salary is because he decided he, he, it wasn't basically enough for him to do. I'm, I'm sort of thinking he worked four days a week. And then his fifth day, he worked on his um, health care. Yeah, I think uh, lieutenant governor is considered a part-time job. Uh yeah, so that was just interesting. But this is Mark Parkinson. We, you know, his life history is not just sitting around twiddling his thumbs. Mm-hmm. And so he decides he's got to do something. And what he decides to do is he energy. He, he would devote himself to studying energy policy, picking up everything he knew about it, and being hopefully in his, you know, an asset to, to Sibelius and energy. Well, that happens to just be, you know, again, very fortuitous because there's a, a, a coal-fired power plant that wants to build in, in, in Kansas, and Sebelius, uh needs it examined, whether they should allow this, and it becomes one of the biggest issues of Sebelius's second term. She denies the permits for that, and he's going to become embro- embroiled in that. But yet, he becomes governor, and he says he, says he Forrest Gumped his way <laughs> into being governor. Um, he says... It, even if you give him the credit for you know being a hard worker and, and all that, he says still the odds got to be in the millions to one of all the things that had to come together for him to become governor of Kansas. Certainly. So now he's governor and he's a lieutenant governor. Do you think anybody think he could attract a fly to come and rest on his shoulder and help <laughs> him with this? Well, I, I did. I was able to look up the polling. I've been collecting polling for twenty years here in Kansas, and I found the poll. <laughs> that right, right when Sibelius was um, getting ready to leave, she was, you know, being rumors were flying that she was going to join Obama's cabinet. There was a poll out that asked uh, if anybody had any opinion on who would be the new governor, which would be Parkinson. And over 60% had no idea who he was. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, you know, 13% had an opinion. Was, that's, an, that's an ego buster. <laughs> Nobody knew who he so was. So maybe also there weren't high expectations of him either. So he came in, and did he ask anybody in particular to do that job? To be hit. So yeah, Parkinson needed a lieutenant governor. And uh, he said he quickly found out that, you know, he's only going to be there a little over 600 days. Uh, There's a recession, which we'll talk about. And um, he was going to end up having to raise taxes and cut ta- uh, cut the budget, and uh, Sibelius was gone. Basically, he was kind of mildly alarmed that it didn't seem like anybody wanted to be his lieutenant governor. But he did. He said he tried. He was hoping to find someone that he thought could at least have a decent chance to run for governor in 2010. He knew it would be tough, and the one person he thought would be Laura Kelly, who was then a state senator. And she had played, in debate prep, she had played the lieutenant governor, uh, Susan Wagle, in 2006. So he saw how smart, he said, how smart Susan she Wagle was. had been a lieutenant governor candidate right. uh, with Jim Barnett, right. who was at the top of the Republican ticket. So he, you know, looks, uh, Parkinson has a pretty good eye. You know, this is, you know, this mm-hmm. is a, many years ago saying, looking at Laura Kelly saying, hey, not, she might be a pretty good candidate, pretty good governor. She apparently begged off. And... He says nothing was official. He said, no, in politics, nobody wants to make an official offer unless they, the answer is going to be yes. Uh-huh. 
Um, but he says uh, he's he's not a big time politician, so he can admit that um, she she basically said no. And he said that was a pretty smart decision, of course, uh, because she ended up doing okay a few years later. Um, I was surprised at that. I had not known that she was in consideration. So Parkinson says he's looking around saying, oh, my gosh, it's going to be pretty embarrassing if I tell the state that I can't find a lieutenant governor. So he looks over to his chief of staff, uh, Troy Finley, a former legislator, and says, mm-hmm. I don't know the exact wording, whether he really asked him or told him, but he says... Hey, Troy, tag yeah, your, tag yeah, your we head. need a lieutenant governor. And so You're Troy, the man. Troy Finley became the lieutenant governor. So as you mentioned, as lieutenant governor, he had a portfolio that involved energy policy, and he studied it. Sunflower uh, Power Company, uh, Southwest Kansas, wanted, wanted to build some big coal plants. And you know, a lot of environmentalists didn't like this idea. They wanted to turn to renewables, wind, for example. And so we sort of had gridlock in the state house on the energy development issue. So after Sibelius had rejected the application from Sunflower, Parkinson told, made a deal. Okay, okay, we'll let you apply again, but you're going to have to not get in the way of our clean energy legislation. And we're going to see what we can do making Kansas a wind state. And in the back of his mind, he had a sense that the, uh, the coal plants would never be built, right? That's correct. Uh, he, he negotiates this deal that looks to be a sellout from the environmentalist side. In fact, he describes when he meets with them, he thought they'd be at least understand, hey, you know, this, we can see what you did here. They're extremely and, angry. Oh, he said it was awful. Yeah, yeah. they were not happy. Uh, but what, what his plan was, was basically telling, asking the coal plants, stop suing us, and t- asking the legislature, stop trying to keep passing a bill to force this to happen. Let's come up with a deal. And the deal was that the state would allow the coal plants to be built, but the state would also invest in more wind and also solar essentially put codify that put that into the regulations and law and so the the old-fashioned win-win for everybody Mm -hmm. and that's so what happens over time is that they don't build the coal-fired power plants but the wind and solar stays in in kansas so parkinson essentially wins the day just there are republican legislators that are still mad about this uh, that think they that Parkinson uh, did a big uh, fake out maneuver uh, against the GOP. Pretty interesting. So, as I mentioned, that Mark Parkinson got to become governor, and uh, you know, Laura Kelly these days has interesting options when she looks at the budget. It's it's what ca- taxes can we cut and where do we spend more money because there's so much uh, cash uh, that's flown into the treasury. But when Parkinson was there. They had to cut the budget repeatedly and severely, and to balance the budget, he had to raise the statewide sales tax. Wow. Yeah, um, he hits at the absolute worst possible time to be to become governor. On the other hand, he said he was he felt he was very very prepared. He felt like his life had prepared him for that moment. Now I'm not saying it prepared him to run for office. He did, he ends up not running. You know, mm-hmm. for not re-election, but he doesn't run. But it prepared him to, to tackle what needed to be done. So he said his whole sort of lifestyle was in approaching things was proactive, strategic, business-like, specific policy, 
developing specific policy initiatives and strategies to achieve them and the ability to be patient. So he, he got his team together and said, what can we do in 600 days? Throw out things we, that are impossible. What can we accomplish? And, and then in terms of budget cutting, he knew the budget inside and out. When, when, when he knew Sibelius was probably going to leave, he started studying the budget. So the first uh, round of cuts, he said, actually, that was pretty easy. You know, you cut three or four percent from every agency. It's not mm -hmm. the end of the world. There's fat, there's fat in all, uh, yeah. every business, every government agency, every entity yeah. you can think of. The second round, oh, that, and we're talking, as you mentioned earlier, I think earlier, it's going to end up being over a billion dollars. We're talking hundreds of millions of dollars here. The second round is getting painful by the third round of cuts. It's Medicaid, it's health services, it's... Uh, yeah, you, you said know, he wouldn't do more. It's literally... He's not going to do more. It, built, you know, fixing roads, mm -hmm. you know, so later when Sam Brownback's governor, they have to take money from the road budget, from <laughs> Department of Transportation. So, uh, for example, so Parkinson is, is, um, he said, this is really, really painful, and this is awful, and he does it. He actually brings together most of the legisla legislative leadership, not the Mike O'Neill, but the rest, and says, I'm going to cut, and it's going to be awful. Um, and I know, you, go ahead, you're going to have to criticize me. Just try not to be too mean. So and Parkinson did have a decent relationship with the House and Senate Democrats and had a, a, a workable relationship with the Senate Republicans, yes. led by moderates. Mike O'Neill was the House Speaker, Republican conservative, and maybe would have been slightly outside the circle of trust. Right. He didn't show up for that meeting where Parkinson said, it's okay to uh, criticize me, just don't, don't be too mean. So... So Parkinson does think the fact that he wasn't running for election, you know, allowed him to take a lot of bullets and allowed him to be the bad guy mm -hmm. and allowed him to do things. And, you know, there's an ex existential question here, Tim, which is, there's no may maybe good answer, but for in terms of democracy, you know, when you look at someone, the, the best, you know, possibly one of the, at least the most effective in terms of getting things done, governors in Kansas history, was unelectable. Mm -hmm. Think, do think about that. Yeah, people would have thought <laughs> think him about un, that. he was unelectable, but he still had the opportunity to run if he wanted. Sometimes he when you're entering, in, in, ending your second term, everybody knows you're lame duck. You're not running, and so you're you're sort of like yeah. cobbled, hobbled a little bit. So, um, so that gets to the real bottom line question. Before we get out of here, it's like, uh, you know, he he. I think he realizes he got some things done, but he doesn't think he really has a legacy as a governor. Right he, or wrong. He doesn't think he has a legacy, Mark Parkinson. So he says he'd be a, he alludes to be the worst double jeopardy question because no one would be able to answer it. Um, and he may be right. It, no one would know his name. But when you look at the policies, for example, a smoking ban, that was, that was when Mark Parkinson helped get, get that through. The energy policy with Sunflower, of course. The, mm -hmm. He got through a highway plan. Um, he balanced uh, the budget. The minimum wage was raised when hmm. Parkinson's governor. I think we know how hard these things are now. Incredibly Tim, hard, right? Yeah. And you know, without being too melodramatic, I, you know, a smoking ban literally saves lives. Again, whether you disagree or agree, it was very controversial. It was controversial. Uh, so he, his impact on Kansas policy was incredibly large for the amount of time he was in there. So I argue he does have a legacy. It's just 
he's correct and it's not associated with his name. Mm-hmm. And he seems okay with that. Uh, he laughs about it and jokes about it. He, he just thinks it was a, an incredible experience and honor to be governor. Yeah, Parkinson went on to become CEO of the American Healthcare Association and National Center for Assisted Living in D.C. It's a organizations that represent skilled nursing and assisted living centers, certainly part of his professional career. I did, before we close, want to give a plug for anybody who wants to purchase this article. You can get the, the issue from the Kansas Historical Foundation. And uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to give you a phone number and an email. So uh, the phone number is 785-272-8681. And it's, the email is ck. R-A-M-E-R at kshistory.org. Well, Bob, I, I want to thank you for your work on this article. I actually think these are super important in terms of Kansas history and us understanding uh, really the inside part of Kansas politics that we don't necessarily read about all the time in the day-to-day coverage. So thanks for doing these articles. I hope you keep doing them, and thank you for being on the podcast with us. Thanks, Tim. And next one will be uh, Sam Brownback in, in 2028. So I got a few years to get ready for that. Yeah. Okay. Good deal. I'll look forward to that. It will. It'll be interesting. Thank you.